This podcast contains graphic content and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Katie. And you're listening to Murder, Mayhem, and Merlot. done fucking around yeah we've had the giggles for a good five minutes katie's been over here making animal noises i am a zoo on legs okay <laughs> <laughs> i am a zoo dr doolittle <laughs> i was gonna say we bought a zoo but that's just a really depressing movie do you know what that is no oh my god i've never i've never i don't even think i've heard of that this man's wife dies and he's stuck with like his two kids and then they go and they buy a zoo and they gotta like reopen it and stuff and it's just really sad because he's like mourning his wife and they're mourning their mom and mm-hmm. but they bought a zoo though. What's that movie where um it's these two old men and there's like a tiger? What is that movie called? Grumpy Old Men? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> and those um, little, the boy comes to live with them or something. The hangover. No. <laughs> Technically, I'm not, that's kind of the same. I'm going to have to look this up all. Secondhand, li- is it secondhand lions? But it's a tiger. You're, you're right. Maybe it is. <laughs> no, it's it's a lion. Oh, it's okay. a lion. I was wrong. <laughs> secondhand. Yeah, it's called secondhand lion. So they don't get a tiger. They get a lion. Right. So you had everything wrong. Right. But it is two old men and they're super funny. And this little boy uh, comes to live with him. It's been a long time since I've watched this movie, but it is super good. Have you never watched it? No, never even heard you're of gonna it. You're going to have to. That's on our. You need to watch. We bought a zoo. Okay, so. so we'll we'll do both. But what we should do is do this episode. Probably get into yeah, this episode. Let's do that. Okay, okay, Katie. What are you talking about today? Today I have a suggested case from a comment on one of our last posts about the last couple of cases we did. It was a comment on your episode that you had, and I shared it on Facebook. And this girl that I uh, was friends with when we were younger, she commented and was like, "You need to look into Ellen Greenberg." And it sounded a little familiar. And then when I started looking into the case, I realized, oh, I have heard of this before. Crime Junkie did an episode on this a long time ago. Oh. Yes. It's coming back to me now. Yeah. Kind of. I've listened to, you know, so much Crime Junkie that. Yeah. And it's been it's been a couple years, I think, since this came out. So let me give you a refresher. That's what I'm here for. Right. (laughs) During a snowstorm on January 26, 2011. First grade teacher Ellen Greenberg decided to go ahead and leave work early since they were closing the school. And everyone was heading home because of the snowstorm coming. It do be doing that. It do be doing that. That's why I hate snow. Some people like snow. Not me. I hate snow for this reason. Well, there's many reasons, but this one in particular. Every year when it snows, you get a Snapchat video from Kayla saying the flakes of death. You're missing it. It's called the flakes of death and destruction. Destruction. Can't forget the destruction part. Everybody was trying to be safe and they were going home. Good for them. Ellen left the school, Juniata Park Academy, which was in Philadelphia, and drove to her apartment 
Ellen shared this apartment with her 28-year-old fiancé, Sam Goldberg. Once she arrived to the apartment, the two were inside the apartment until around 4.45 p.m. At that time, Sam Goldberg decided to go downstairs and use the apartment complex's gym. After Sam worked out for about a half an hour, he went back upstairs to his and Ellen's apartment. But when Sam tried to get inside, he found that he could not open the door. The door was locked by a swing lock. So if you don't know what those are, those are like the bolt lock things that are inside of most like hotel room doors. Oh, okay. So it's like, it's basically in place of what a chain lock used to be, but it's those like weird bolt, which you can still open the door like a couple inches, but that's it. And it stops it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Once you said hotel room door, I understood what you were talking about. Yeah, I posted a picture of what they look like when we post about the episode. And it, like, catches on the... Yeah, it catches on, like, the little ball part of it. Right, yeah. So Sam could only open the door a couple inches, like I said, before the swing lock would stop him from being able to actually enter the apartment. Sam began calling out to Ellen to come unlock the swing lock. He knew she had to be inside the apartment still because the swing lock can only be locked from the inside. And no one could go anywhere outside the complex due to the snowstorm. Sam also repeatedly called Ellen, but she never answered his calls, nor did she call back out to him or come to the door because he was also yelling through the crack of the door. At 5.32 p.m., Sam texted Ellen, hello, but he still got no response. He continued texting Ellen several different times over the next few minutes. Here were the text messages that he sent. Open the door. What are you doing? I'm getting pissed. Hello, you better have an excuse. What the fuck? Then he just sent, ah. And then the last thing he sent was, you have no idea. Oof. Yeah, which I thought was weird. Sam sent these messages over a period of about 20 minutes before he went downstairs to try to get help from security. The security employee told Sam that they were not allowed to force open locked doors even if he lived inside as a tenant in that apartment. Sam decided to go back upstairs, and somehow he forced the door open on his own. At 6.30 p.m., Sam dialed 911. I will play the 911 phone call for you now. Help, I I, I need need, uh, everything now. I just just walked to my apartment. She is on the floor with blood everywhere. What is the address? 4601 Flat Rock Road. Please come, help, now. 4601 Flat Rock Road. Is this a house or apartment? Oh no! Oh no! It's an apartment. What apartment number? Please hurry, please. She's bleeding from. I don't know. I can't tell. She's. So you have to calm yourself down in order to get you some help. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She. I don't know. I'm looking at her right now. She. I don't. I can't see anything. She. There's nothing broken. She's bleeding. Ellie. You don't know where she's bleeding from, can't you? Ellie! Blood's coming from? It's, I think her head. I think she hit her head, I think. I think but it's, it's everywhere. Okay, it's everywhere. She might have fallen. Do you know yeah. what happened? I, she, she, she may have slipped his blood on the on the table. Her, her face is a little purple. Okay, hold on for rescue for her. Stay on the phone. Philadelphia Fire Department 842, what's the address? No, 
My, my, I just, my, I went downstairs to go work out. I came back up. The door was latched. My fiance's inside. She wasn't, she wasn't answering. So after about a half hour, I decided to break it down. I see her now just on the floor with blood. She's not, she's not responding. Okay. Is she breathing? She, I, Look at her chest. I need you to calm down, and I need you to look at her chest. It's really. I don't think she. I really don't think she is. Listen to me. Someone's on the way. Look at her chest. Is she flat on her back? (laughs) She's on her back. Look at her chest and tell me if it's going up and down, up and down. I don't see her moving. Okay. Do you know how to do CPR? I don't. Okay. I can tell you what to do. Okay. Until they get there, I want you to keep her. Oh God. Hello. Yeah, hi, okay. Are you willing to do CPR with me over the phone so they can... I, get, I, I have to, right? Okay, so get her flat on her back, bare her chest, okay? You want to rip her shirt off. Okay, kneel down by her side. Oh, my God. Ellie, please. Listen, listen, you can't freak out, sir, because you Okay, I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to. Her shirt won't come off, it's a zipper. Rip oh, my off. God, she stabbed herself. Where? She fell in a knife. Oh, no, her knife's sticking out. Her what? There's a knife sticking out of her heart. Oh, she stabbed herself? I, can't, I guess so. I don't know where she fell on it. I don't know. Okay, well, don't touch it. Okay, Please. so I'm just, I'm just let her down. Here now? I mean, what do I do? No, I mean, you can't. If the knife is in her chest, it's going to be kind of hard for you to do CPR at this time. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Police, what's operator? 277. Is All someone right. coming here? Yes, they are. You said 4601 Flat Rock, right? Yes. Okay, someone's on the way, and the knife is still inside? Wait, your what? The knife is still inside of her? Yes, I didn't take it out. Is it her chest or what area? It's, it's in her chest. It's like, it, looks like it's, it looks like it's right in her heart. Okay, someone's on the way out there, okay? Just get oh, my God, oh, my God. Okay. How old is she? She's 27. 27, and there's no sign of life at all? No, 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 please don't be. What? Been turned to her arm and tell me she responds to pain. She's. Ellie! She's not, she's not. Her arm and her hands are still warm. I don't know if that means. But there's blood everywhere. I mean. I know, but you can't. And the knife is still inside of her. How far? Can you see how far it went in? It looks pretty deep. Okay. It looks three and it's a long knife. Don't touch anything. Yeah, don't touch anything, okay? I'm not touching anything. This is re- I can't believe this, though. No, so wait, it was just you there with her? We, yeah, we're the only ones here. And she ran in the door, you said, latched it shut? No, no, I, I, I went downstairs to work out, and I, when I came back up, the door was latched. Oh. Like, it was, you know, it wasn't like, it was, you know, it was like locked from the inside, and I'm yelling, and I saw it was some, well, you know, was yelling. Was broken and into? No, 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 no. So there's no sign of a break-in? No, no sign of a break-in at all. I mean, there will be when you get here, because I had to break the latch, but... To get in. Okay, 4601 Flat Rock, and this is a house, right? It's an apartment. Fire Rock apartment. Okay, that'll help. Oh my god, oh my god. All right, thank you. Bye. She fell on the knife. On the knife. Or she stabbed herself. And then also, I guess I have to. Yeah, that was super weird to me. I guess I have to. Your fiance is laying on the floor, not breathing. They tell you to do CPR. And you say you don't know how, and they say, okay, well, she's like, I'm going to talk you through it, as the 911 operator is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And you say, I guess I have to. I get, like, you're nervous, and, like, you know, you 
That's your fiance. But that's it. But that's your fiance. You should. You, it shouldn't be a second guess. Like, of course, I'm going to do what I have to do, right, to try to yeah. save the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with. Or you say you do. Yeah. Like I, I could see if he said like, I don't know if I'm going to do it right. You know. Right. I could see that, especially if you've never done it before. It is. Right. A, it isn't. As someone who's done CPR, it's an. It's nerve wracking. Right. Okay. But still, you're going to do what you got to do to try to save your loved one. Yeah. I just don't like those vibes. I don't no, like I don't it either. I don't at either. all. Yeah, I wonder if that there's. And a, I like that he just conveniently says. So here in just a minute, you'll understand why I say conveniently says that she stabbed herself, and that was the first thing that he said. Yeah, is weird. I wonder. There's um, Brit on Crime Junkie talks about this a lot. There's a thing she listens to. I don't know if it's a podcast or what, but there's there's this man or this group of people who analyze 911 calls. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they've ever analyzed this one. I don't know, but that would be really interesting to listen to. Yeah. Police arrived and announced Ellen dead at 6.40 p.m. So within 10 minutes of him initially calling 911, they arrive and they pronounce her dead. Another thought I had just real quick. Mm-hmm. He says there's a knife in her chest, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but... That's the first thing that I would have... Yeah, that you would have noticed. Yeah, noticed. And not when I got down... To unzip her, her jacket, jacket to do CPR. Yeah, that should be... Like, that was probably protruding out of all her clothing. You right. know, like... Yeah. I don't know. That just and seems... And I understand he says, I can't get it off. It's a zipper. It's a zipper, my guy. You've yeah. never unzipped or zipped up a zipper before? Right. Even if the knife is, like, through, like, a part of the shirt. Rip you should it. still... Yeah, fucking rip it off. Yeah. Cut it off. They're gonna EMS is gonna do that anyways. Yeah, I mean they're yeah. gonna cut it off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that just that's the first thing I thought. What like when he said mm-hmm. there was a knife, I was like, yeah. Didn't you notice that as soon as you saw her? Yeah, like, when you saw her. Yeah, because she was on her back. So yeah. Ellen had a total of twenty stab wounds to her body. She had ten stab wounds to her back, in her neck, and a gash on her scalp. One of the stab wounds that was through her back reached her spinal cord and nicked it oh my god there were several stab wounds to her chest and her stomach one of these stabs made it to her liver the knife that sam spoke about on the 911 call was sticking out of her chest the knife was four inches deep into her heart that sounds personal Mm-hmm. it does ellen also had several bruises in different stages of healing on her body that were noted by the ME when they do her autopsy. The bruises were on her abdomen, her right leg, and her right arm. Ellen was holding a white towel in her left hand when she was found that had nothing on it. And Ellen had a scrunchy hair tie on one of her wrists and her glasses were lying on the floor next to her body. On initial looks from detectives, there was no sign of a struggle inside of the apartment. Nothing around the apartment was disturbed and nothing had been stolen. Theories about how a murderer could have gotten in were thrown around between police officers that were in the apartment. Due to the swing lock being locked, detectives thought that if someone came in, they would have had to come through the window. But Ellen and Sam lived on the sixth floor. On top of that, footprints should have been left or there should have been some disturbance to the snow on the small balcony if that were the case, Mm -hmm. but there was nothing. According to Detective Tim Cooney, the crime took place in the kitchen where Ellen was found. After this short initial search, detectives began to treat the crime scene as a suicide and decided that that was the manner of death. And there was no suicide note anywhere, by the way. So they're saying she she stabbed herself to the point of nicking her own spinal cord? Here's my thing about that. Okay, just you sitting here now. Mm -hmm. 
act like you're holding a knife, like you were going to stab yourself. You're probably going to hold it this way, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to hold it like this way. I'm going to hold it like this. Especially if you're going to get to your back. Yeah. Pretend like you're going to stab yourself. Oh, yeah, no. In yeah. your back. Yeah. It's, yeah. You can't, here's my thing. I'll get into the Emmy report here and stuff in just a second. But just think, some of these stab wounds to her back are less than a centimeter deep. But there was one that went so deep that it hit her spinal cord. Okay. Mm -hmm. The momentum that you would have to have. People don't realize if you've ever had to dissect something, you'll understand a little bit. Or if you have hunted and like, you know, skinned a deer or something like that and like had to cut it open and everything and you have to cut through bone and stuff like that, you'll understand. It's not super easy and it takes a lot of force to cut through things. Oh, yeah. You have to go to get to the spinal cord. You would have had to go in between bone, hit cartilage in between bone, and then make it all the way to your spinal cord. Can you swing that hard like this? No. Either way that you would be holding a knife. You really can't. It takes a lot of force to get through all of that. Were the stab wounds just at the top of her neck? I'll tell you in just a second where everything was. So they decided it was a suicide. Okay. No suicide note. Marlon Osborne performed the autopsy on Ellen Greenberg. Osborne labeled each of her stab wounds with letters. He started with the letter A and he ended on T. The stab wounds to Ellen's chest weren't very deep, just centimeters or less than a centimeter, except for the fatal stab to her heart. She had a two-inch stab to her abdomen, which cut into her liver. Ellen had a two and a half inch gash on her scalp from the knife. Some of the stab wounds on her back were also just a centimeter or less. Two of the stab wounds to the back of Ellen's neck were between two to three inches deep. The strike that cut her spinal cord was struck between her second and third vertebrae. But the spinal cord was not severed, like I said earlier. It was just nicked. According to the Emmy, this would have caused severe pain, though. I mean, if you sever your spinal cord, you are paralyzed Mm -hmm. from that point down wherever you did it so if you nick your spinal cord it's going to be very fucking painful she still has to go to the front of herself and stab herself multiple times again and then stab herself in the heart now the emmy concluded that she wouldn't have been paralyzed or anything but she would have had very severe pain from this just the stab wounds alone like that I mean, that's painful in of itself. And then you nick your spinal cord. Mm -hmm. I just don't think you're going to... And then continue 10 more times on the front of yourself. Yeah. After, for whatever reason, you started on the back. Yeah. No. The math ain't mathin'. No. The Emmy also performed a toxicology screening during the autopsy. The only things found in her system were two of her prescription drugs that they found the bottles in her bedroom. So I believe that what she had in her system was Ambien, a a trace amounts of Ambien, and then she was fully positive for clonazepam. Okay. She had a prescription for both of these medications. After the completion of the autopsy, the Emmy ruled Ellen Greenberg's cause of death was homicide. I think that's, you know, pretty solid assumption Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. After this ruling, Ellen's case was handed over to the homicide unit at the Philadelphia Police Department. Detectives began questioning Sam's story about his timeline of that day. When detectives reviewed the apartment complex's camera footage and the activity on Sam's key fob, they concluded that his timeline lined up with his story. They caught him on camera at all the times he said he was gone. He was in the gym for about a half an hour working out. 
then came upstairs, caught him on camera going to get the security employee that was downstairs. So everything he was saying did match up with his story. At this point, Sam was ruled out as a suspect and detectives didn't really have anyone else. Detectives took a turn with their investigation. They started looking into Ellen's mental health history. Ellen's parents, Joshua and Sandra Greenberg, had noticed some changes in Ellen's behavior between the months of December and January. They both thought that Ellen had become a bit standoffish and she just seemed anxious all the time. She was on edge, which would explain Ambien to help her sleep at night and clonazepam to take when she's having really bad anxiety, panic attacks, so on and so forth. Once, when the two asked Ellen if everything was okay, Ellen told them that her job was just stressing her out, which is, I think, a normal thing for people to say when they're stressed out. A lot of people experience that. Oh, yeah, for Jobs sure. are stressful. One of Ellen's cousins, whose name is Debbie, corroborated this story from her parents. Debbie said that she went from being one of the most joyful people to be around and just one of the happiest people that Debbie knew to just being chronically anxious, all in the matter of a month. When Debbie would ask Ellen what was going on, which she said that she did on multiple occasions, she said that every time Ellen would just stare at her and just be silent for a few seconds, and sometimes it felt like a really long time, until she would eventually just say she didn't want to talk about it. One of Ellen's fellow teachers had a different version of what was causing Ellen's stress. This coworker reportedly said that she really didn't have any big stressors going on at work. There were really no big trouble students in her class. Again, she taught first grade at this elementary school. You're not going to have a bunch of troublemakers. No, like I mean. kids are rowdy and you may have like one or something that acts up or two. Her coworker said it was really nothing that was like a major problem. They weren't having any issues at work in general as a whole with the school. So nothing bad was going on at work. And her coworkers kind of thought that something was going on at home. That's like literally my first thought. When someone's starting to like withdraw and just act differently. All in a, in a month. Yeah, that's like going to be my first. And here's my thing. Keep in mind that when she had this autopsy done, they found these different bruises on different parts of her body, mm -hmm. all in different stages of healing. So she's had these over a period of time. Yeah. She she did not get these all at the same time. They were not on her body from the day that she died. These were there before from different points in time before that. Yeah. My thing is, maybe she was in an abusive situation with her fiance. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I think. She becomes standoffish. She becomes anxious. She starts exhibiting behavior that she never has before. She went from happy to nervous and scared all yeah. the time. Has to go on these medications to be able to sleep at night. Her anxiety throughout the day or at nighttime has these bruises on her body and then turns up dead. And and also, you know, I think about her cousin. I think it was her cousin you said that mm -hmm. like said that she would just stare at her. like Yeah, but like it's then, like she was thinking. It's like she wanted to say something. Mm -hmm. And, you know... That can be mental health. That can be, you know, because there's such a stigma with, you know, having mental health issues. That could have been part of it. You know, she just didn't want to talk about that. But at the same time, I would think you, if, if she was in an abusive relationship, she was probably having to really second guess what she was saying. Mm -hmm. And she just didn't say what she wanted to. Right. Because and instead of that. just said, I don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Which when people say that to you, when you can tell that there's been a change in their behavior... And then they just whip out, I don't want to talk about it. 
they didn't say nothing was going on. They just said they didn't want to talk about what was going on. Mm -hmm. So something was happening, but nobody knows what that is. And that's why, like, I know that every other crime podcast and, like, crime YouTube pushes this. But if something is happening in in your life or you have, like, this big secret, because how many times have you heard a case where someone told someone, I need to talk to you about something or I need to tell you something, and then they end up murdered? Mm -hmm. If something is going on, as hard as it is, tell anybody. If you need to tell your neighbor, just tell your neighbor. I mean, just tell somebody something. At least, like a small version of what's happening Mm -hmm. so people know because now it's just this big question of if she was murdered why because she didn't really have any enemies she didn't have any stressors at work yeah so it's like is very very odd it's so weird so about three months after the murder after the investigation after the autopsy dr osborne overturns his ruling of her death as a homicide and changes his mind to suicide. This was after several discussions with the police and the Emmy. Gives me weird vibes. I mean, police throughout this whole investigation push for this to be a suicide. I think. Which screams red flag to me. It does. I think it was, you know, for me listening to that, it says that they got lazy. Like, either they got lazy in the way that they thought you know this isn't going to be an open shut case like and they just wanted an easy out and i get the the trouble with this because the door's locked from the inside you know it's not adding up either way it it really doesn't the door's locked on the inside you know his timeline adds up so i I can understand that that would be frustrating and Mm -hmm. you wanting to go automatically to suicide or her mental health Mm -hmm. but even on that other end it still doesn't it still doesn't add up that was my thing is either they were being super lazy or somebody had connections with sam his 911 call super weird he conveniently puts in that she stabbed herself as the very first thing and i'm sorry if i see somebody stabbed no matter if it is in a place where they could have easily stabbed and killed themselves I'm not going to initially think or say they stabbed themselves first thing out the bat. Okay. Right. And like, and I want to put this out there. Like I've made a 911 call a time or two Mm. and you don't know how you're going to react in a situation. You don't know what you're going to say. You don't know what you're going to do. That's why I try not to put so much emphasis on a 911 call because you're going to freak out. Mm -hmm. But there are some things that are just so glaringly obvious and i think this is one of them Mm -hmm. just his whole interaction with Mm -hmm. this 911 operator yeah i have to she stabbed herself immediately that's the first thing that you said yeah which is just strange to me and even if you thought that because the door was locked from the inside i just and here's me saying you know this is what i would have done you don't know what you would do but that's just not my train of thought No, I would not initially think they they stabbed themselves. Even if the door is locked on the inside. Right. I would would have probably whipped out like... There's someone in in here. (laughs) Yeah, there's someone in the floor. Or like when I see their body, I would be like, oh, there's someone in the floor. There's blood everywhere. You know, they're not breathing. The first thing I would have probably thought. Like I'm talking about like on the line with 911. Like I would be like, there's blood everywhere. Mm -hmm. They're not breathing. Oh my God. I wouldn't just start whipping out alibis real quick. Yeah. Which is kind of what he did. Yeah. He kind of set up the story for everybody. Yeah. Which should have been the last thing on his mind. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Dr. Osborne kind of gets pushed to change his mind, rules it a suicide. Ellen's family is dumbfounded. Oh, I'm sure. They were just like, who the hell stabs themselves 20 times as a form of suicide? Girl, that's my question too. Who, people that are suicidal, when they, when a person decides in that mindset that they are in fact going to commit suicide, that's what they're going to do. They're not going to torture themselves. They may have self-harmed for months, years, whatever, days before they decided to take the unfortunate action of suicide. But at that point, when a person is in that mindset, that's what they want to do is kill themselves. They are not thinking, I'm going to do this in the most long and torturous way that I possibly can. They have decided that they don't want to be alive anymore. So they are not going to elongate that situation. Right. And I also think your instincts kick in at a certain point. And that's why a lot of people do it very quickly is because you stab yourself. It fucking hurts. Mm -hmm. And your body's going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know? And, and as animals, that instinct's going to kick in, in yeah, and, and be like, no, 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 no. No, no, you are not doing this. Yeah. If it had been one quick stab to the heart, I could almost see it. Right. right. Still, mm -hmm. stabbing yourself is very, I don't know. It just. People do it. People do it. Yeah. If it would have just been the stab to the heart, I could see their argument for this. Yeah. Not 20 times. Not 20 times. No. And in the back. No. And start in the back. To commit suicide, you started in the back. No, what that sounds like to me is she was in the kitchen doing something. She had a rag in her hand, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you said. She was taken off guard. Somebody stabbed her in the back, in the neck, and that's how it started. She turns around and starts getting stabbed in the front mm -hmm. and then into the heart. Agreed. Ultimately. Agreed. Is what I think happened. But yeah. Who am I and what do I know? Yeah. So for years now, after this ruling, her parents were extremely upset. They have fought this and fought this and fought this. They have hired their own attorney. They have taken this to civil court several times. They hired Joseph Padraza, I hope I'm saying his last name right, to help them file uh, one of the lawsuits against the medical examiner's office to change the cause of death back to homicide. They found two neuropathologists to review the autopsy report and examine the brain tissue. And both doctors agreed that evidence showing suicide was not possible. They were pretty much like, that is just out of the realm of possibilities. That didn't happen. That tracks. Yeah, I, I agree with them. Mm -hmm. I agree with those two. In an article that was published in January of 2022, the Greenberg's attorney spoke with Annie about specifically one of the stab wounds into the back of Ellen's head. He said, quote, our neuropathologist and the city's paid neuropathologist both agree that the limited sample of brain tissue that still remains plainly shows there is a stab wound that shows there is no brain bleed, is what he's saying. That means there was no pulse when that stab occurred to the back of her head. That means Ellen was not alive when this particular strike happened. Well, that's pretty damning. I mean, that's th there it is. You know? Yeah. So he says further in the A&E article, quote, accepting that someone would be able to stab themselves two times after they died is what the police officers were doing. Uh, wrong. So 
No, no. We're not accepting that. So as of last year in 2022, the Greenberg were still working on their case against the medical examiner's office and Marlon Osborne, who was the initial pathologist who performed her autopsy. An appeals court heard arguments on November 15, 2022. In October of 2022, the Greenbergs filed a second civil suit against members of the Emmy's office, the Philadelphia Police Department, and the District Attorney's office, seeking monetary damages. So that's just kind of where we're at today. This past January marked 12 years since her, I'm going to call it a murder because it's a murder. (laughs) Right. So it's been 12 years. They have a Twitter page and a Facebook page under the name Justice for Ellen. You can go follow those pages for any updates on her case. They're still fighting all of this in court. Sam doesn't really talk to the public about it. He really kind of just kind of keep to himself. Her parents obviously are out there every day trying to get this solved because they feel and I feel that this was not a suicide, even though it is still listed as such. And just for everybody's little FYI, you can look at the initial ME report and it is on Google and you can see everything. There's 24 pages. Take a good look, see at it, because once you read that ME report, it just don't be adding up. Right. It just don't be adding up. Yeah, the math ain't mathin'. The math is not mathin'. Go follow those pages. There are also petitions to sign. Um, You can Google the petitions. I know the biggest one, I believe, is on change.org that you can sign. Go sign that for sure. When news and media try to reach out to the police station, they pretty much will go, we're investigating, and it's not a cold case. But we have nothing to say. Cool. Yeah. So also, call the police department. Because something needs to be done. Absolutely. This is not, this was not a suicide. This case... If it was, this is the weirdest suicide that's ever happened. This case is difficult, and it's weird, and it's tough. But that doesn't make it any less important, and she needs justice, just like anybody else. So if this is the police being lazy, like Kayla just said, just because it's a tough case doesn't mean you just give up and find the easy way out. Mm-hmm. That's not what you signed up to do when you chose being a police officer or a detective as your job. Yeah, she. there are plenty of cases that stay open many, 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 many years, you know, and go cold. Mm-hmm. Right. But to call this a suicide just because, it, like, I just feel like they're taking the easy way out is and just unacceptable. It's just unacceptable. Yeah. From the beginning, mm-hmm. from the time that they stepped foot in, in that apartment. They decided that this was a suicide then and there, and that's what they're going to stick with. Yeah. I don't know if somebody in that police department just has an ego that they can't get past or what, and they're like, I'll be damned if I'm wrong. I don't know, but we will add this case to the ever-growing list of cases that (laughs) we have that we will update you when there is something to update. Yeah. Which I don't feel like with this case will be anytime soon unless it has to do with the civil court cases that have been filed against the Emmy's office and the Philadelphia Police Department by the Greenbergs. I thought that about a couple of cases and, you know, it did take a couple of years, but we got, you know, like the Delphi case Mm -hmm. that took longer than it should. And and the police and detectives and and, and they're trying. Yeah. Like (laughs) the police and detectives in Delphi case have worked tirelessly to figure this out. I mean, God knows that they've probably had days in a row where they didn't even sleep because they were looking at this case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
because they care. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's it's beyond me. And like I said, it's nothing to do with the detectives or police. But it's just beyond me that it took that long for us to get an arrest in the Delphi case, considering um, and I've done that episode. So you haven't listened to it. Go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. But that it took that long to get an arrest because. But I think for them, they wanted to get this right. Right. But because she videoed her killer. Like, right. Libby videoed it. So I just, and so, so I didn't think it, you know, it took so long. I was like, we're never going to get, you know, mm-hmm. any, any movement. And we did. And we have, and we have an arrest and we're waiting, you know, so it can happen. And I hope that it does. Yes. Or Ellen Greenberg. Mm-hmm. She deserves justice. Yeah. Well, thanks guys. Thanks for listening and we'll keep you updated. Yes. And we'll be back next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. We'd like to thank Mikey Kinley for audio and editing and our friend Avalyn Yulaberry for our cover art make sure to like and follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram our Instagram is m3podcast and you can find us on Facebook under the name of our podcast which is murder mayhem and reload <laughs>